Hello, everyone. My name is Phil, and I know you've heard Troy and Jim say this, but I am so glad that we are one church in multiple locations. And it's my honor to be the Alder Grove campus pastor. And I'm really excited to be digging into this message with you. So I want to give a little extra love to my Alder Grove family right now. Uh, and let's get into it. We've been going through a series called How Does God Grow Our Faith? And over the last few weeks, we have been interacting with different ideas and different things. Let's, as a recap, we have been going through how when the word dwells in us, when we experience trials, and when we experience the supernatural, these are all ways that our faith can grow. Today, we're going to be talking about how our faith grows when we are generous. Now, have you ever met someone who was like that person? If you don't know what I mean, tell me if this sounds familiar. You know, perhaps they used to be just Bob from your small group, but then they bought a French press one fateful day, and before you know it, they became Bob the coffee guy, you know, over-explaining volcanic soil composition that impacts the acidity of the beans. Or maybe you remember when Emily used to be normal, you know, before they became Emily the CrossFitter, going on and on talking about RX EMOMs of butterfly pull-ups and, and calories on the assault bike. You know, whether it's coffee or CrossFit, whether you turn into a dog mom or a gamer, what we invest in will shape our lives. Let me say that again. What we invest in will shape our lives. When you put in, you know, not just your money, but your time and your energy and your emotions, your body, all of that, a transformation takes place. It changes how we talk, how we think, how we act. Don't you notice people who get really into a hobby, like their language is different. They begin using terms and mannerisms and they, they dress a certain way. You know, what we give into something, it really does give back to us, it shapes us. So let's take this principle and make a growth application for our faith. Our faith grows when we are generous. There's an author, James Smith, uh, who's also a professor, and he argued over a series of books that we are not primarily thinking beings. You know, we're not just brains on a stick. But actually, deeper than that, we are loving beings or worshiping beings. You know, here's an example. We know that eating cinnamon buns is, is terrible for us. Sorry, guys, the jury is out. You know, if we were primarily thinking beings, we would expertly balance our calories and, and no one would overeat because we know what, you know, 12 of these bad boys a week does to our bodies. And yet for all of the information we have about you know, healthy lifestyles and diets and exercises, North Americans, you know, myself included, aren't typically known for their restraint. Maybe it's because we're not primarily thinking beings. We're loving beings. And simply put, cinnamon buns make us feel really good. They're delicious. So we buy them or, or we take the time to make them or we're eating them all the time. If it's not cinnamon buns, it's something else. You know, and for our investment, for our love of cinnamon buns, our bodies over time are formed 
accordingly. Anyone else feeling convicted? They say, you are what you eat. So the question becomes, what are you consuming? You know, Jesus said, our treasure, where our treasure lies, there our heart is. The connection that I want to make is that what we give to, what we invest in, what we are generous to, we end up worshiping. And what we worship forms us. For our purposes today, we can say that what we give to or invest in will shape our lives. We're going to get a little insight to this from our teaching text. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, and in chapter 6, Jesus says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us and that you'd minister to us as we interact with your word. God, we want to be formed by you, so we open ourselves up to this moment. Our faith grows when we are generous. So how does our faith grow? This is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but it actually grows as we give, not as we receive. We actually give to receive. We don't receive to give. Sounds strange. Let's think of it this way. Common wisdom states that we should receive first and then give. Maybe this is familiar to you. We have this attitude that it's when we have a lot or when we have you know, enough, that's typically when we give ourselves permission to be generous with our lives. It's safer, less risk. But this isn't what Jesus is saying. He says, give and it will be given to you. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So at a heart level, we have to change our expectations in regards to how we interact with, with faith and, and our, our, our inner self and the world around us. We're not shaped as we give, or we are shaped as we give, not as we receive. You know, for a little context to Jesus' message in Luke 6, he's in the middle of a teaching where he's kind of pushing against the, the status quo behavior and assumptions that the Jewish community had held and was calling them to something greater. And in fact, this idea of reciprocity, we get what we give, is really the foundational context. It's a through line of Luke 6. There is um, a, a comedian slash theologian, Chris Rock, you know, probably during one of his many academic lectures, you know, maybe his doctoral dissertation, he had a bit years ago where he poked fun at people who would brag about having a job or, or taking care of their families, to which he would respond, you're supposed to, to have a job. You're supposed to take care of your kids. Now, I think Jesus would have liked this. You know, maybe not the delivery. Please don't, you know, YouTube that clip. But I think the sentiment really runs true because presented in Luke 6 here is this teaching. A main statement about it is loving your enemy. You know, what benefit is it if you only love people who love you? Or if you only give to people who are going to give back to you? 
Even sinners do that. Even the worst of the worst do that. Our faith, Jesus is saying, invites us to be formed into something more. You know, I think of the contrast between the the rich Pharisee who gave out of his abundance and the poor widow who gave little but gave everything that she had. You see, generosity grows our faith uh, counterintuitively in this way. We are formed and shaped as we give, not as we receive. What that means is that God is inviting us to take the first step, to count the cost, and to give our best, not what's left. From that place of openness and vulnerability, God says, the amount that you measure out will be measured back. Now on the surface, this can sound unfair and it can sound exhausting. Well, yes and no. Because as we pour out our lives, we're going to discover that we are making room for God to fill it. And often I believe that God would give us more and he desires to give us more. But often our arms and our hearts are full already. You know, maybe our desire for security is turning us into a bit of a Scrooge McDuck. And, you know, we're backstroking in a room full of money. And we have to be that way before we can feel safe enough to be generous. But what's really happening is that our lives are too full for God to really begin to shape us. The challenge is to give first, to empty yourself so that God can fill you with what you really need. And so this is why as an act of generosity, we act first because we can know that God is faithful to be generous to us. And we know this because generosity is central to our faith formation and in the Bible story. It actually has deep roots in the gospel. If you are a follower of Jesus, you know that you are recipients of God's great generosity. G.K. Chesterton, a scholar in the 1900s, framed it this way. Charity means pardoning the unpardonable, or it is no virtue at all. We believe that God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So Christians have this rich context for unreasonable, unfair generosity. It is a gift that we have received from God before it's something that we give to others. Even in the uh, ethic of Genesis, you know, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And it is that blessing and that charity towards us that is our entry point to growing in faith. We aren't generous because we you know, have to be, but because we get to be. We aren't generous because we have to be, but because we get to be. Praise God. You know, God has been so good to us. We want to get to a place where we can't help but be generous because we have been so formed by his love. We serve a generous God, and to be formed by him is to become generous people. In fact, once we have been transformed by God in salvation, we can set ourselves to the journey of being formed by him. We can do that by opening up our lives to the example of Christ and being formed by his generosity to us. Generous living is an act of worship, responding to his goodness. 
And in that sense, generosity teaches us how to love. Charles Spurgeon uh, very simply and very powerfully said this, that giving is true loving. Giving is true loving. Generosity teaches us how to love. Well, how does it do that? I want to suggest that, first thing, it opens ourselves up. If we're building our lives on this ethic of loving God with all our heart and loving people, opening ourselves up is forming our desires properly. Your generosity turns our hearts and our resources towards God and people in the most practical ways. And to do that, to turn those resources toward them is a powerful form of worship. I don't know if you've ever felt a season in your life where you have been dry or you felt distant, disconnected. Generosity is a powerful connecting tool. In an age of self-love and self-care, I think we'd be surprised to hear that it's actually when we invest into our church and our small group and our families and our communities, that's where we often encounter the deep love and presence of God. The measure we use will be measured back to us. Let's return to our framework of being primarily loving beings. You know, if self-care is ultimate to us, we might be subtly tricked into closing ourselves off to others and worshiping ourselves. It's no surprise then that we would experience you know, spiritual dryness or, or distance from others. If what we invest in shapes us, then the act of opening up our lives and our resources is actually one of the most powerful acts of self-care we can live out. Well, how else does generosity teach us how to love? I believe that it also helps us break down idols and we can detach ourselves from improper desires. You know, the Christ-like generosity, the self-sacrificing example that he set, when we apply that to ourselves, it can actually reveal unhealthy attachments we may have. When we take inventory of our inner self and our resources from a generosity-first perspective, it can really open our eyes to the things and to the desires that has, have formed us. As loving beings, we might find desires that we need to you know, let go of in pursuit of the love of God and his plans and his invitation of generosity that he's laid out for us. Give, and it will be given to you. Here's the idea. What we invest in will shape you. As loving beings, as worshiping beings, we have been given unfair grace by Christ, who sets himself up as a pathway to wholeness and perfection, and is inviting us to worship him with a lifestyle of love and generosity. When we are generous, we will be greatly formed by the Holy Spirit into Christ-likeness. We become, we become like what we're worshiping. When we open up our lives from that place, we receive the, the blessings of the kingdom and the blessings of God poured back onto us. So my question of the day is this. What is forming my life in a way that might be keeping me from being generous, that I need to let go of so that God can grow my faith? What is it that I need to let go of so that I can be formed by God into a generous person? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your gift of generosity. You have been unreasonable to us, and we 
are grateful. And I pray that that gratitude uh, would turn into a devotion, that we would commit ourselves to be formed by you. In being formed by you, we discover that we become generous people. I pray that you would minister to us and that you would transform our lives as we pour ourselves out, that you would give back to us in rich, fulfilling, meaningful ways. Amen. Let's, let's bring this home. We've talked about our faith growing when we are generous. Our lives, as we invest in things, will be shaped by them. So how can we prepare ourselves to be a generous people? Here are some takeaways for us to pray through, think through, talk through in our families and small groups. The first thing that we could do in order to prepare to be generous might be to budget our generosity. We might need to budget our generosity. Now, this doesn't take away the mystery or the intrigue or the romance of the gesture. It makes sure that you financially prioritize it. You know, you should budget your time, budget your tithe, budget your global giving, budget your random coffees, budget some free space to meet needs, and do that first. Remember, we want to give God our best, not what's left. And let everything else flow from your generosity. Maybe you need to set goals for yourself year over year so you can ask yourself, how can I become even more generous in five years than I am now? Here's another way that we can prepare to be generous. Maybe there are those of us who need to schedule our generosity. We can easily leave this conversation in the realm of finances, and that has its place but you'll notice I left this message a little ambiguous because generosity extends to so much more. Maybe we need to make margin in our lives to serve and spend time with others. There might be some people who need your voice and your presence more than your wallet. Join a church ministry team and serve on Sundays or in a midweek program. Maybe you need to coach a sports team or visit a senior center Open up your home for your neighborhood to drop off their kids for a night. 
When we put our generosity on a schedule, we make space for it in our week. If you want to prepare for generosity, maybe you need to invite it. Don't do it alone. Build dinner parties around how to be more generous. Make the focus of your prayer meetings and worship gatherings about it. Grab friends together and do it together. Further, maybe you have a hard time being generous. Maybe you need to look around and find the most generous people you can and surround yourself with them. I promise you, when you get locked into a group that invests in their church and their community and the world around them, you will catch on. We are shaped by what we invest in. As we close, why don't we read our doxology together? Jude 1. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Take care, everyone.